Amen. Well, last week was a powerful message, amen? Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I needed it. Uh, We talked about why worry. Why worry? Why do we need to worry? Why can't we get worry out? You know, I said last week that worry is one of the greatest killers for most believers uh, because that is what it takes place in the mind. Sometimes we don't even know it's happening, but we just find ourselves entrenched in worry and problems and issues in our lives, and we need to know how to get out of that. We need to know how to get past those things. And so if you uh, were not here uh, for that message, um, you definitely want to go online and get that. It was powerful. I believe that it will minister to you. This week, I want to kind of do a little spinoff from it, as a matter of fact, because When we talk about why worry, and we talked about how worry is a distraction in the mind. That's what the word literally means. The word worry literally means divided into parts. It means instead of having our focus on one thing, we are preoccupied or distracted with something else that's going on. And so tonight, I want to kind of focus on what we need to be focused on and how to focus on that. Because... We can say all day long, cast your cares and uh, cast down every argument that exalts itself against the word of God. But what does that really mean? How do we cast those thoughts out? You know, we said last week that we have to apply our focus somewhere else. We can't just sit in our bedroom and just say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to allow that to get to me. But we all know that doesn't work. We all know that we're really just thinking about it the more or We might feel good for a second, but it eventually comes back because that's how the enemy operates. And don't think that he's going to sit down and say, oh, well, they're not going to they don't want to think about it. Okay, no, he will attack and attack and attack and attack. And so we've got to find out how to fight off those attacks, fight off those thoughts. And so that's kind of where I want to go tonight. If you'll go in the word with me to Second Corinthians, chapter five. Second Corinthians, chapter five. And uh, tonight's message is called, What's Real? What's Real? Because the answer to what we focus on uh, lies in what is reality. Because we are all asking what's real. We all have real problems, real issues, real situations. We live in a real world. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of pastors out there right now that just want to be real. Let's just be real. We all have real problems. I know pastors right now that they talk about the natural and how, you know, I have the same issues you have. And we talk about what's going on in our lives all the time. But this verse right here shows us that there's something else that is actually more real than the reality we live in. And so here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith. Not by sight. Uh, In the NIV, this word walk is actually translated live. And that is actually what that word means. And we've seen this before. That many times in the Bible where you see it says walk, it actually means live. So he's actually saying here, for we live by faith, not by sight. So right here, Paul is identifying there are two different ways to perceive life. There are two different ways to look at life. There are two different ways to walk. Or to live. You can live or walk by faith, or you can live or walk by sight, what you see. Faith is your belief system. 
That's what faith is. Faith is what you believe in. Okay? Now, obviously, there's Bible faith, and that's what this is talking about. Bible faith. And faith operates only in what you cannot see. Faith only operates in what you cannot see. The uh, Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that God is pleased when we operate by faith and only faith. So God is looking for us in the flesh, in this seen realm, to live beyond what we see. If I am believing God for $10 and I have $10 in my pocket, that is not faith. I can't say I have faith for $10. Why? Because it's in my hand. I possess it. But now if I say I'm believing God for $100 to pay this certain bill and I don't have it. It's not in the bank account. I don't have it in my piggy bank. It's not in my pocket. It is in an unseen place. But yet by faith I possess it. Okay? So do we see that? That faith, that's why he can say Walk by faith, not by sight. What he's saying is, walk by what you don't see, not by what you do see. Now, this is a huge problem for most people. Because most people do not live beyond what they see. That's as far as they can see. What I can see naturally is as far as what I can perceive. If I don't have it in this seen realm if it's not tangible, if I can't see it, possess it, touch it, feel it, then it's not real. Remember, Thomas had this issue when Jesus uh, came back from the dead and he presented himself to his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas came back later and his disciples said, hey, you missed Jesus, he was just here. And he says, dude, the, the guy died. He's in a grave. He, he's been dead for more than three days now. They said, no, 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 he was here. He just came and showed himself to us. Unless I touch the holes in his hands, unless I can put my hand in, the, in his side, I don't believe it. And then Jesus showed himself again, and Jesus said, Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Why? Because God is only pleased with the person that walks by what he cannot see, a person that is moved and operates by faith. We're talking about real situations, real problems. We all have them. We all have real issues. And if you go to, if you go a chapter back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul identifies this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now I got to translate this real quick. Okay? I got to break this down for you. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. First of all, he is not saying ignore your natural problems. That is not what he's saying. He's not saying do not look at them, don't give them any thought, don't give them any uh uh you know, just just forget they're there. It's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying to ignore it or deny it. If you have sickness in your body, he's not saying, just act, you know, you're not really sick. That's just playing with your mind. No, he's saying it's there. But here's what we have to look at. This word look, defined, means to aim at, 
give attention to. That's what that word look means. It means to focus on. Well, what did we talk about last week with worry? We said worry is, it, worry is not an issue of the problem itself. It's an issue with what you are giving attention to. If you're worried about something, it's because you're thinking more about that than about something else. And tonight we're going to talk about the something else. So he says, do not look at the things which are seen. Do not give attention to the things that are seen. Do not focus on the things that are seen. But focus on, look at, give attention to the things that are not seen. Example, you have sickness in your body. You have sickness in your body. We have an option. We can give attention to the sickness. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh, I need to see a doctor. Or maybe we even get a, a doctor's report, and it's not good. They've got all kinds of negative stuff in there. And we just focus on that. Man, I've got this. Man, they say I have this. Man, they say it could be this. Man, they, they say that it could turn into this if I don't do this. And what are we giving attention to? The doctor's report. Everything that we see there in the natural. But now we have an alternative as believers. See, lost people don't have this alternative. All that they have is what is seen. That's all they have. But we have an alternative. And the alternative is God's word. What does God's word say about our physical bodies? Does it say we have to deal with that? Does it say we have to put up with that? Does it say that there's no cure for that? Does it say that we don't have a God or a source that can take that away? Absolutely not. If you study your scripture, if you rightly divide the word and not just listen to what maybe your grandma taught you or your mom taught you or what a previous pastor taught you, if we really get in here and find out what his word says, we'll find out that it says he sent his word and healed them from all their diseases. We'll see that in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 it says that uh, he took on in our infirmities and our sicknesses through the stripes on Jesus' back. He took all that. And by his stripes we are healed. We can go through and look at Jesus when he was on the face of the planet in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there was not one sickness, not one disease that he could not heal, could not cure, and there was not one sick person that they brought to him that he wasn't able to heal. Never in the Bible you will find that. Okay? That's what God's Word says. So now we have the scene, the doctor's report, the sickness that's in our body, and how we feel. That's all the natural stuff, the tangible stuff. This is what's going on right now. But we also have God's word, which is absolutely contrary to everything we just saw in the natural. You're sick in the natural, you're healed in the spiritual. You're not feeling good here, but he's got something that feels good here. We've got a bad report here, but we've got a good report here. So now the question is, if we go back to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, what do we look at? What do we gaze upon, give our attention to, focus on, aim at? You think about, uh, you think about someone with a gun or someone with a bow and arrow and they're aiming. What are they doing? They're focusing on, they're taking all their energy, all their focus is going to one thing. You can't be distracted, uh, distracted and shoot a gun straight. 
You can't be distracted and, and, and shoot a bow and arrow and hit your target right on. No, you have to be focused. You have to take all your gazing, all your focus, and you have to put it on this one thing. You have to aim at the goal. And so that's what Paul is saying here. Now let's go further here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Let's look at a few things. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now when we say eternal, here's what we usually do. We think forever, okay? But the word eternal is actually more than what we think. Because if I say you're going to live forever, you think from the day you were born till forever. But eternal and forever actually mean past, present, and future. The things that are unseen were the same past, present, and future. When I say you're an eternal being, I don't mean you started when you were born, whatever your birthday is, and then you'll live forever. When I say you're an eternal being, I mean you have no beginning and no end. This isn't something we can wrap our brains about, brains, brains about, you know, naturally. God is an eternal being. He has no beginning. You can't go and find his birthday. You can't go and find the day he, you know, just became. He's always been. So the things that are unseen have always existed. The things that are seen are temporary. The biggest definition of temporary, the greatest definition of temporary is subject to change. See, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will change, but it does mean that it can change. The changing is up to us. Go back to sickness in your body. If you have sickness in your body, naturally, that's temporary. As soon as something shows up in the natural, it it becomes subject to change. Look, God's blessing of healing has always existed because it is eternal. It is unseen. It's always existed. The second it shows up into your body, in the natural, although it was a spiritual thing that always existed and could never change, once it comes into the natural, now it can change, which means we are now responsible for keeping that healing. Here's what I'm saying. The healing, which is eternal, always existed. Now it has come into the natural. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do to stand on God's word and continue to act on my healing, I can lose that healing. Years ago, if I said his name, you'd know him, but a healing evangelist, very profound in the United States and really around the world, contacted uh, Kenneth E. Hagin and said, I need you to come and show me how to get people to keep their healing. Because they're coming to my services and they're getting healed, but then they're not doing the things that they need to be doing and they're ending up back in that same place again. Why? Because the devil doesn't lay down. He will come back and attack you. 
Anywhere that he's beat you before is an area of weakness in your mind, and he knows that there will be an open door if you give it to him. If he's beat you in your finances before, you can correct that, get your mind right, get on God's word about your finances and prosperity. But if you don't stay there, you can slump back, and then the enemy will have an open door. And when things start to shift again in your finances, and maybe they're not looking like they used to, then he'll start saying, see, he got you again. And that's an area of weakness because you failed there previously. Does that make sense? So if you, were, if you had cancer running in your body and God heals you from cancer, guess what the enemy's going to be using for the rest of your life to get you off course? Cancer. Why? Because you've already had a weakness there in your mind, naturally speaking, and so now we have to stand, 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 stay on God's word, stay on what got the cancer out of our body the first time. Because that healing is now in our natural body, and this verse says anything that is seen, anything that is natural, is temporal, temporary. That means it can change. That means that healing that's now in your body it can change if we don't do what we need to do to keep it there. Just like the sickness was temporary. So that's the biggest difference we need to see. Things that are unseen, they are eternal, which means they cannot change. They have always been that way. They are that way today, and they always will be that way. But the things in the natural, once it comes into this realm, it becomes subject to change. It can be changed. It can be altered, which means your current situation, no matter what you're in, is subject to change. Man, that's, vic that's victory right there. That's victory. That's something to be excited about because my financial situation that I might be in today, that's subject to change. The way I'm feeling today in my body and the things that are taking place in my body, that's subject to change. My marriage is subject to change. My children, they're subject to change. My job situation is subject to change. Why? Because it's in the natural, which means if I can get a spiritual law on it, I can change it. The unseen changes the scene. The unseen changes the scene. Here's the first thing you need to know. The natural, what you see, is the greatest hindrance to the spiritual. Your natural realm. This is why I said the most dangerous thing for people and for believers is that they never see beyond where they're at right now. They have no vision beyond how things are today. Spring shows up. They see the yellow dust on their cars. And the first thing they say is, it's flu season. Why? Because they don't see beyond what today. Where I'm at today. My current situation. What's currently going on in my life. They look at the bank account. And they don't have the money to make it till Friday. And they don't see beyond, I have another source, I have another provider. They see what they have in the natural. And that's the most dangerous position for believers. We have to get beyond that. Because the natural is your greatest hindrance to receiving the spiritual. Example, Abraham. Genesis chapter 15. God shows up. Actually, Genesis chapter 12, he shows up again in Genesis 15. 
And he tells him, go to a place that I will show you. Isn't that interesting? We've talked about this a lot recently. I just can't seem to come off of it. It just seems to hit home every time. God tells Abraham to go somewhere. He doesn't show him where. He doesn't tell him where. He gives him nothing in the natural to go out on. The only thing Abraham is moving on is spiritual, is unseen. I am going to take you to a place that I will show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham's thinking, are you talking to the right person? Because I am 75 years old and I cannot even have children. I've never had children to this point and I can't have children. That is his natural vision for his life. You got the wrong guy. What is God doing? I've got an unseen thing, something in the spiritual that if you can grab a hold of, you can change what your natural situation is and become what I'm calling you. God always talks to you based on your future, not your present or your past. God always talks about what he wants to draw out of you, not based upon where you're at today. Everybody in this room, everybody you know, your relatives, your family, your best friends, no matter how close they are, they can only talk to you based upon where you're at today or where you used to be. They see you as, man, he's not going to make it. He's not the right one for this job. He's not the one to start this business. They're not, they're not going to make it. They're not going to get it. There's no way they can beat it. Why? They're only basing that based upon what you have done in your past or where you're at today. They might try to be encouraging, but they don't really have a, a word for your future, not without God. But God always talks to you based upon what's on the inside. See, this is why we have to get our eyes off of the natural. Because when God's speaking to us, he's not even talking about anything that's in the natural. He's only moved by one thing, faith. Faith only operates in what you cannot see. If you can't get vision beyond your natural realm, then you'll never be able to receive from God. You will shoot him down every time, like Moses. He says to Moses, you're the one that will go and communicate to Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses has, a fifth, has 50 million excuses for him. I killed someone back there. They're, look, they're hunting for my life. I can't even talk right. I am, I, I'm not bold enough. Who am I to go? And God shoots him down every time. Why? Because I am talking to you based upon what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. You need to get a vision beyond your natural realm, beyond your natural circumstance and situation, and you need to start seeing what I see. So he's talking to Abraham. You will be a father of many nations. In fact, I'm not even going to call you Abram anymore. I'm changing your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Well, he's not even a father, <laughs> let alone father of many nations. He's not a, even a father of many kids, many children. He has not even qualified for a father of many nations in the natural. So what does he do? He has to look, he has to look beyond his natural vision, beyond his natural circumstance, and step out on God's word. But now watch this. Thousands of years later, his descendants, who were enslaved 
in Egypt, go through the wilderness, led by Moses, get to the promised land that God promised Abraham thousands of years before. These guys, they have a little they have it a little better, so we think. They show up, they actually get to go in the promised land. How many of you think that you would believe God's promises better if he actually showed them to you? Come on, be honest. If God said, you're going to live in this house, and there's no way you can live in that kind of house, and he says, go down this street, that's it right there. How many of you think that that would help your faith a little bit? False. False. The Israelites show up. They even get to walk around in the promised land as spies. They get to look at it. They get to see the fruit. They get to see the milk and honey. And then they get to see the giants. And so now the same land that God promises to Abraham, and he's able to get up off of nothing. God didn't say, I'm going to send you to Canaan. He said, I'm going to show you where to go. He didn't say, this is where you're going to get to live. Look at all this beautiful land. He said, figure it out as you go. I'm going to lead you. But I'm not telling you anything. Now the same land is shown to the Israelites. And what they saw is what kept them out. (laughs) Come on, if God showed you your promise beforehand, we'd probably find an excuse why we couldn't. Oh, God, no, that house is too big. Why? Because he's an exceeding abundantly God. He might call you to start a business, and then he gives you a picture of what it's going to, oh, no, Lord, I, I, no, I'm not doing anything that big. I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe local, small scale here, you know, maybe I'll throw something on Facebook or get something on Pinterest or something, but it, you want me to have stores and warehouses and distribution and shipping and marketing, and, and you want me to hire 100 people? You want me to have kingdom influence on 100? I, I, I don't even know how to talk to, to one person. I, how am I going to, we do it, we do it, why, because the natural is your greatest hindrance to receiving from the spiritual, now I'm not saying it has to hinder you, because could those Israelites have gone into the land, absolutely, in fact Joshua and Caleb were in that group, And two out of 12 spies spoke up and said, um, this is our land. This already belongs to us. So we are well able to take it. But they got shut down. You have to resolve within yourself. No matter what I see in the natural, if God shows it to me or if he doesn't show it to me, I'm going to take it. Joshua and Caleb were ready to take it before and they were ready to take it after. But 10 out of 12, man, that's the majority. And it shut them out. And they didn't get to walk in what Abraham was told that they would walk in. And Abraham stepped out on nothing. I mean, reading that story, it's almost like, God, don't show it to me. Don't tell me what's going to happen. Just direct my steps. 
Why? He just wants you to trust him anyway. But the natural will be your greatest hindrance to receiving. The natural will be your greatest hindrance. See, Joshua and Caleb, they had a worry option, like we talked about last week. Why worry? Do you think those, ten, those other ten spies, you think they started to worry? Yeah. Look at their communication. Look at what they were saying. We should have stayed in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here to die? They're worried they're going to die in the middle of the wilderness. That's their first thought when they see God's promises. Look, and we, this, Exodus is the book that you read and you think, bunch of idiots, I'd have never done that. But we do it all the time. <laughs> we do it all the time. You don't want to be the one that you actually get to see God's promise for your life and then you worry yourself out of it. Don't look at God's promises, and the first communication is, I'm not going to make it. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like we should be saying, oh, God, thank you so much for this land. Thank you so much for this promise. I knew you'd come through. But yet their first communication was, you brought us out here to die? We should have stayed, we should have stayed slaves in Egypt. And worry sets in. And those thoughts come. I'm not going to make it. There's no way I'm going to do that. There's no way I can access that. But yet, if it's God's promise, it has to come to pass. So the issue here with the ten spies versus Joshua and Caleb was an area of focus, an area of attention. Worry always sets in when you preoccupy your mind. How did they get distracted? They got distracted off of God's promise and got distracted by the giants. Joshua and Caleb didn't allow themselves to be distracted. They did not allow their minds to become preoccupied. And they said, no, we're going to stand on God's word no matter what we see in the natural. And the natural did not hinder them. And they did go in and possess it. So the natural is the greatest hindrance to the spiritual. Go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is talking about Abraham. In fact, most of Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham and how he was a man of faith, how he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so look what it says here, uh, verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. As it is what? Written. God's word. God's word. As it is written. In the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead, and watch this, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham allowed his faith to change his natural situation. Abraham allowed his spiritual, what he believed for in the spiritual, what he saw in the spiritual, to change where he was currently at in the natural Naturally, he couldn't have children. Naturally, his wife was barren. Naturally, they were beyond years of age to be having children. But spiritually, God wrote and spoke a word, I have made you a father of many nations. And he allowed that to then change his natural, and he was able to call those things that do not exist, as though they did. That's the power 
of putting focus on the unseen rather than the seen. The spiritual changes the natural, but you have to give it the proper focus. You have to give it the proper attention. Abraham could have gone back to his tent, could have gone back to his wife, could have gone back to his family and said, look, you know, God gave me this word. But naturally, there's no way that can happen. So he must be crazy. And then just keep meditating on that. Man, it's, there's just no way. I mean, he's, he's got to have the wrong guy. There's, there's no way. There's no way I can have, be a father of many nations. I mean, he showed me the stars and said that they would be like the star. There's no, I don't even have one child. I don't even have one star. And there's so many stars up there. He could have done that. Could have put his focus in his attention. He could have been aiming at the situation in the natural. But no, he saw beyond that. He got beyond the natural, put his attention and his focus on the spiritual. And then the spiritual changed the natural. Did he become the father of many nations? Did he have a child even in his old age? Did his descendants end up going into Canaan and the promised land? Absolutely. Because God's promises will come to pass. He's just looking for someone who will take him at his word. God's just looking for someone that will just believe him for what he says. Being moved by the seen will keep you from moving the spiritual. Being moved by the seen realm, by what you live in, by what you look at, will keep you from moving the spiritual. Why do I say moving? Remember, uh, those of you that have heard me talk about faith before, faith does not create things. Faith moves things. Remember, everything you need, everything you have need of, in your life, is already available and is already accessible in the spirit realm. You need healing in your body? You don't need poof, I need healing. You need to move the healing that's already located in the spirit realm into the natural realm. You need finances and provision? Well, you are already provided for through God through heaven being your source, not this natural world. And so that provision is already available and it's already accessible. We just need to use faith, the vehicle that moves it from the unseen to the seen, from the spiritual to the natural. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everything you have need of, God has already got it. It's already available to you. It's already accessible by you through faith. But here's the problem. If you focus more on the natural, if you focus more on the way things are in the natural realm, if you are moved by the natural realm, you will not move the spiritual into the natural. You will not move the unseen into the seen. So it seems here that faith 
should be our primary focus and our primary component to getting out of worry. To getting out of a situation and a life that is distracted, faith has to be our lifestyle. Now, I, I, I'm not going to preach this whole, th- you know, all about faith tonight. Most of us know what faith is, but this is something interesting. When we talk about faith, most of the times I talk about Bible faith, but you can really put faith in anything. Sometimes we have faith in the wrong thing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and there's a comma. That means this statement is split up a little bit. It's one continuous thought. But let's just stop right there. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing, you can hear anything. You can hear a doctor's report that isn't good. You can hear that you don't have the money to pay your bills. You can hear that your marriage isn't going to make it. You can hear that you're never going to get that business started. You can hear that you're never going to find the job that you want. And if you give enough attention to those things, guess what? Faith's coming because faith comes by hearing. I'll tell you right now, I can preach a message tonight that says, that, that says you are healed. And people will doubt that and say, oh, I don't know, I don't know about that. And it's on God's word, it's the most sure thing on the face of the planet. Go home tonight, turn on the news and they say there's a hurricane coming and you'll be at Walmart buying every gallon of water you can find and boarding up your windows and doors. You will put more faith in the newscaster. And you didn't go and see the storm yourself. You didn't go and get the, go, uh, you know, uh, get the uh, machinery and the devices that you need to go and detect a storm. You'll put more faith in that. You'll go hide in the bathtub when they say there's a tornado coming and you haven't seen no tornado more than anything else. You'll put more faith in them than you will in my words and in God's words when it says you are healed and you've got sickness running through your body. Why? Because it's what you give attention to. It's what you put your primary focus on. Why why do you believe why do you believe the the news people so much? But yet we get in here and we have doubts and concerns and thoughts and things try to change that. See, faith comes by hearing. And then we finish that verse in hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. Why do we need to know how faith comes? Because without faith, you're not moving anything from the spiritual to the natural. Without faith, you're not going to receive those promises that God has promised you. Faith is the necessary vehicle to make the unseen come into the seen realm. And this hits home for everybody. You know, I I pray that my messages, you know, hit home for you. And that tomorrow morning you wake up and you can put them into use. I'm not one of those pastors that wants to preach over your head and just put a bunch of big words out and make you feel like you heard something. But you get home and it's like, well, how do I, what do I do with that? This stuff is applicable this this bible can be applied to your life 
I had someone tell me one time, uh, several times actually, man, it felt like you were preaching right at me. Well, I hope so. I hope I'm preaching to somebody. <laughs> hope I'm not preaching to the walls. I preach it to myself half the time. The reason why I take notes, the reason why I make these things up and put them uh, in my iPad isn't so I can follow along. I could probably pretty much preach this without having any of that. The reason why I do that is because I can't sit here and take notes. Because when God gives me these messages, they're just as much for me as they are for you. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's times I've gone back and listened to my own messages again. Because it's that good. And it's not about me. I'm not an arrogant person that just likes to listen to the sound of my voice. Because I really think my voice is kind of mousy. And I'm working on that to get it a little deeper and sound a little better. But, but man, I like to hear the word of God. And it changes my life. And so I hope that it's changing yours. It's a good laugh. Amen. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This kind of goes into what I said last week. And how do we get rid of worry? Remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 said, cast down every argument that exalts itself against the obedience of God. And then we talked about how do you cast down? That seems to be most people's question. Uh, if I say, don't worry, your question back to me is, how? Okay, worry is a thought. Don't think about it. Okay, how do I not think about it? Philippians chapter 4. Whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble. But here, this even pinpoints it a little bit deeper for you. This gets a little more specific. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to tell you right now, this right here, is your number one way to getting out of worry. This right here. This is where most people fail. We have the greatest resource on the face of the planet to getting out of worrisome situations, and we overlook it so many times. You know what we, and this is why. Because even though you can see this, it's power, and its purpose is unseen. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that this word right here is so powerful that it's alive and active. You know, there, are, there is no other book. Think of all the books that fill libraries, that fill bookstores, that fill people's homes, that fill schools. And there is no other book that is alive and active. No other book. This will divide between spirit and soul. You know what that means? This book will divide between spirit, which is unseen, and soul, which operates only off of what you know and how you feel. Mind, will, and emotion. Your emotions are real, sure. But there's something more real. See, we're talking about what's real. There's something more real than your reality that you're in. And until we can get to 2 Corinthians 5, 7 and not walk by what we see, but walk by faith, you'll never know the real reality. In fact, I preached that message. One of my first messages when we got here was the real reality. 
Because we don't live beyond what we see. We don't live beyond what we hear and what we see on TV and how we feel. Well, I don't feel good. Well, there's something more real than that. I'm not telling you to deny your feelings and tell you to deny what's going on in the world. I'm telling you to change it. Paul is telling us, don't deny it and ignore it and act like it's not there. Change it. Change what you see. If you don't like what you see, then get God's word on it and change it. And you don't change it by only looking at the natural. It doesn't happen. So how do we change it? You change the seen by focusing on the unseen. You change what's going on in the seen realm by focusing on the unseen, his word. Why do I say this is unseen? Because although you can read it and it's letters on a page, its work and its power goes way beyond what you can see. Because let's, th let's think about it. How could just a book change my current situation? It can't. It's what the book provides. See, you can go and you can get a book on financial management if you're having trouble with finances and how to handle money. And it's not the book that changes you. It's the power behind it and the tools and the principles. Because if just reading a book could fix your situation, we'd be reading a lot more than we do. The power is in the implementation. The power is in the application of what it says. I can read a book that talks about saving and, and how to set aside money and how to spend money wisely and, and what to invest in. But if I don't actually go out and do any of those things, it does nothing for me. I just wasted my time reading. So it's the unseen work of this book that changes your seen realm. And if you only focus on the seen, you will change nothing. But if we can focus on this, if we can gain faith by hearing the word of God, then you can change your seen realm. You can change what is here in the natural. Remember, that unseen means it's eternal. Means that it has always existed. It has no beginning and no end. That it's always that way. It's that way and it has to be that way. When Moses uh, was confronted by God in the burning bush, he said, who do I tell him that sent me? And he said, God said to him, tell him that I am. Since you notice he didn't say I was or I will be or I am right now. He said I am. And if you are always I am, then you've always been I am. Not I used to be. Not I will be. Not I was. Not I can be. Not I want to be. I am sent you. Meaning I have always existed. I'm existing today, and I will always exist. That's the one that's sending you back to Pharaoh and back to Egypt. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. It says, the grass withers and the flower fades. But look at this. 
The word of our God stands forever. His word is eternal. And eternal is a qualification of an unseen. Whatever you're believing for that you don't see, can't see, want to see, his word has it. It has the power. It's in the unseen, but it's eternal, and it can't be changed. I'll tell you right now, there's nothing you're going through that is more real than this word. I'll tell you that right now. This is the real reality. The real reality is Jesus went to the cross and saved you from your sins. And so the enemy can't keep coming back to you and trying to condemn you of those sins that you once did. He can't bring it up because it's been taken care of. You might be thinking about it. You might be dealing with it. You might be wishing you didn't do it. You might be wishing, you might be wondering if God really loves you because of those things that you did. But God's word cannot change. God's word on healing cannot change. No matter how sick you are, no matter how close to death you are, his word is still the same. His word on healing uh, cannot change. And look, there's nothing you can do or go through to change it. It's eternal. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again, when I say Jesus, you picture the man in a white robe, uh, you know, playing with children and laying hands on the sick and long hair and a beard. But that was just 33 years of Jesus' life. Jesus is bigger than that. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing you're going through that can change that. So now... We're left with faith. Faith in God's word. Faith in God's word is what changes your current situation. How fast? Abraham waited 25 years to become a father from the first time he heard it. The Bible says that our faith is tested through patience. You know what patience is? Patience is acting like it is the way it was said the first time and not moving off of that. James, we saw last week, said that if you have faith without doubting, then you won't be a double-minded man. We saw last week that worry is the epitome of being double-minded. It is the epitome of believing God for one thing, but then going back and saying, well, I don't know. That's worry. That's doubt. That's unbelief. We have to shut that down. Those thoughts will try to come. You can't keep those thoughts from coming in, but you can guard your mind and get them back out. Many of us, we don't protect our mind. And how do you fortify your mind? Get in this. Look, if your mind is full of this, those thoughts are going to have a hard time coming in. 
If your mind is full of this, those thoughts are going to have a hard time coming in. Travis gave me an awesome quote last week. He says, your mind is like a dog, or your, your, your thoughts are like a dog, and, and whichever one you feed will, go, will grow up and be stronger. So what are you feeding? Are we feeding it the word? Are we feeding it faith, the unseen, that changes the scene? Or are we feeding it the situation we're currently in and what we're currently living in and the things that we're currently seeing? We have to get vision beyond the natural. This is not the real reality. I'm telling you right now. Here's an interesting thought. The person that's on the outside that we're all looking at right now, that's not even the real you. It's the loudest, makes the most noise, seems the most real. It's where we feel everything. It's where we hear everything. But you have a spirit man down inside of you that's actually more real than what's on the outside. Why? Because he's unseen. The unseen is more real than the seen. Your spirit man inside of you is an eternal being, has always existed and always will exist. There's no end. Yet we place more emphasis on this outside. We place more emphasis on what we see, the situations that we're in, how we feel at the time. And we respond to that rather than responding to the word. We, in essence, do the opposite of 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live and walk by what we see and not by faith. Remember, faith only operates in what you cannot see. So, we have to get our faith on God's word. It, can, it contains the power to change the natural realm. And God's word is more real than the seen realm. God's word is more real than what you're living in. I don't know what situations you're in. I don't know what it, attacks are coming. And it may not even be attacks, but it may be a promise that's out there that you know is yours and you just cannot see how it's attainable. But yet God's word is still more true. See, God's word to Abraham and to the Israelites was more real than the giants that they saw with their very eyes. It was more real. Look, the only reason they didn't get in was because they were moved by what they saw with their natural eyes. It wasn't because God didn't want them to have it. it wasn't because God was testing them. It wasn't because it, was in, it wasn't in God's timing. But God wanted them to learn a lesson in the wilderness. God was very clear. You don't belong here. This is not the land that I've promised you. This, I didn't bring you out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. Yet they did. So it's not God, it's us. And so we have to change our vision. Get beyond what we see. Get beyond how we feel. And it's hard. And there's pressure. And there's pressing. But Paul said, I press on toward the mark. That means he's going at it as hard as he can, reaching at full length to grab a hold of this thing.
He's not casually, this isn't a casual race, well, I'll just walk this thing and finish it and hopefully I make it to the end. No, he's pressing. He's going hard after this thing. And those are the ones that obtain the promises of God. Those are the ones that obtain the prizes. A walk of faith is not easy. If you've ever walked a walk of faith, you know that. It is not easy. On your flesh. Because your flesh always just wants to go back to this. Your flesh always wants to just go back to what it sees and how it feels. But your spirit man wants to press. Your spirit man wants to go. Your spirit man knows God's word is true. Your spirit man knows that the natural is not real and that what you cannot see is more real than that. I didn't say this was easy. Anybody that thinks that uh, walking by faith is easy, they've never walked by faith. They've never lived by faith. But this is the life of faith, the life of the believer, the life of a Christian. It makes it worth it in the end because you fought to get there. You fought to stay there. You pressed on. You didn't quit. You didn't die. You didn't lay down. When you had done all to stand, you stood. That's the life of the believer. So you make that call. And it's what you give attention to. Matthew chapter 13, just to close with this. Jesus gave a parable of the sower. And he showed four different instances of people that heard the word. And it was not a good percentage rate of the ones that came out victorious. 25%. If I go go just based on that passage, I could count, and every fourth person is the one that will get it, and the other three won't. And it all relied on one thing, attention. 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 Meditate. Meditate. Chew on. Think on. Process. Go back. Think on it again. Look at it again. The ones who will come out victorious tonight aren't the ones that showed up. Aren't the ones that sat here and listened to the whole thing. Aren't the ones that walk out and say, man, that was a good message. Aren't the ones that wake up tomorrow and say, man, that was, that was awesome. It's the ones that will chew on. It's the ones that will go back and listen to this again. It's the ones that will pull out their notes. It was the ones that will go on version and pull up the notes and say, Man, I I just need to keep chewing on those verses. It's the ones that will take those verses and write them down and and put them somewhere, put them on their dash, put them on their computer, put them on the refrigerator every time they go by and say, that's it. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I'm applying his word. Those are the ones that come out victorious. What the word, the sign of the word producing you in your life goes beyond that door, goes beyond these four walls. It's processing. It's meditating. It's chewing on. Why did God tell Joshua before he took the Israelites over and took them into the promised land? Why did he say, if you want to be prosperous and successful, meditate on my word day and night? Why did he say in Proverbs chapter 4 to give attention to my word? Give your ear to my instruction. 
Look, I wish we all got it the first time we heard it. But it doesn't work that way. It's the word that is lived out. It's the word that is looked at. It's the scriptures that are gone back over. It's the notes that we took that something spoke to us and we look at those things, meditate on those things. I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks full of notes that I can pull out and they just bring encouragement to me. Verses that I can go back and look at. Why? Because that's life. When darkness starts to show up, when death starts to show up, in the natural, when things begin to change, I get back into the unseen so I can change the natural back. Change the scene back. That's where you have to live. That's what you have to apply. It, it, it doesn't work for me preaching. I can preach this thing good. I can go on for another two hours, and I literally probably could, but it doesn't work that way. It's what you apply. It's what you hear. It's what you give attention to. That's how we become victorious. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you that you have shown us what is real, what really is real, what really matters. We are not moved by what we see. We're not moved by how we feel. Because if we're moved by those things, then we can't move your realm into this earth. You have called us to bring heaven to earth. That means heaven, an unseen realm, being brought into a seen realm. That is why we're here. That is our purpose. Our purpose in life is surrounded by moving stuff that we cannot see into a realm that we can see. So, Father, give us strength tonight. Father, and give us courage to go after those things that you have promised us, those things that are in the unseen realm that have seen so far off, so far away, seem uh, so unattainable, Father. I thank you that we apply your word to it. We meditate on your word. We live by it. We activate it in our lives. And then we will see the unseen realm change the scene realm. Father, we thank you for this word. It brings life to us. It brings strength to us. It's encouraging. It's power. It's peace. And Father, your word is the most valuable thing to us. Not what people have to say. Not what things look like. Not how we feel. The most valuable thing in our life is your word. Father, we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.